Michael Shane, you must have some idea why Judge Thorman wants to see you. Honey, at 3 o'clock this afternoon, I received a letter signed by those men who head Judge Thorman's campaign committee. Mm -hmm. It told me literally nothing, darling, all of which I was warned to keep hush-hush. Oh, confidential stuff, huh? Mm Mm-hmm, very. I'm requested to appear at Judge Thorman's home at 7 o'clock tonight. I don't know why, darling. That's all the note had to say. Oh, it's about 4.15 now. Uh Uh-huh which means you must curb your curiosity for two hours and 45 minutes. Oh, then I'm going? Well, it's not your company I love, sugar. It's your shorthand. Well, I'm glad to know something about me attracts you. Michael, do you know Judge Thorman? No. Oh. Well, then Judge Thorman must know you. Otherwise, why should he... Take it easy, will you, baby? Please, we'll know at 7 o'clock tonight. The Hastings Manufacturing Company and the Kayside Corporation present Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis. At approximately the same time, Shane and his blonde assistant, Phyllis Knight, are discussing the mysterious note summoning Shane to Judge Thorman's home at 7 o'clock. Mysterious events are shaping themselves in Judge Thorman's study. The judge is conversing with one of his committee men. Eating at the club tonight, Judge? Uh, as usual, not until after the meeting. Uh, by the way, has this Michael Shane fellow been contacted? Yes, a note was sent asking to him to be here tonight at 7. Oh, good. He comes highly recommended. Yes. If I didn't know you were one of my best friends, I'd say you didn't particularly care whether we ever find out who's making these silly telephone threats against my life. I was just thinking of this Michael Shane fellow. I don't think he'll be much help. Well, Inspector Coyle and Chief Randall assured me he was as capable an investigator as we No doubt. I'm afraid Shane will be too late. What the devil are you... I made those calls, Judge. You? What sort of stupid joke is this? It's neither stupid nor a joke, my dear Judge. Do you remember Carlton Winters? Winters? Well, yes, Carlton Winters, a forger. I sentenced him 16 years ago at what? What of it? You won't know my face, Judge. But look at the hatred in my eyes, and you'll see Carlton Winters. But you've known me as your friend for ten years. Yes, it's taken me ten years to ready myself for this moment. These hands you felt so sorry about. I deliberately crippled them so that I could be that much surer of my revenge. This face. Yes. I see it now. You'll see the man you sent away for forgery. The man whose wife later divorced him and married Paul Redfern. You took everything from me. You were guilty. That makes little difference. You enabled Paul Redfern to take Estelle from me. I vowed I'd pay you off, remember? It'll be over quickly, Judge, quickly. The suicide note is ready. I have your own gun. Suicide? Only to outward appearances, Judge. It'll really be murder. Get that gun away from my head, you fool. No, Judge. Not when I've waited ten years for this. All right, let's go over the facts, Inspector. Uh, Phil, take notes, please. All right. And incidentally, I copied those statements from Detective Johnson's notes, Mike. Oh, fine, fine, thanks. Well, Inspector? Well, Judge's wife, dead five years. A married couple acted as Judge Thorman's cook and body servant. Missed the day off, checked, and they've been at a relative's home all day. Usually on Wednesdays, the judge had dinner at his club. Missed tonight. There was to be a meeting here at 7. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Something about tracing crank calls. 
Say, these uh, three men on the committee, there was uh, Thomas Charles Hart. Yes, he's a retired businessman from the East. Oh. Horace Epperly, big construction man. Paul Redfern, ex-prosecutor. Incidentally, all three of their alibis aren't worthy of the name. Not one of them can prove where he was between four and five. Well, now, go easy there, Shane. They're all big men. It's suicide. Yeah, so the note says, but I still don't believe it. Uh, Mr. Epperly found the body, huh? Yeah, about 6.30. Came in when he found the door open. Open? Open or unlocked, Inspector? Oh, sorry, uh, unlocked. Oh, uh uh-huh. Now, look, Shane, let's not make a mystery out of this yet. The judge is big people, and I'm here only to make sure there was nothing funny. Well, that's excuse enough to look around. The gun has a corrugated handle, so that eliminates fingerprints, right? Right. But there are powder burns on the right temple, and the bullet rains slightly upward. That and the note stack up to suicide. Yeah, but that note, that note. How does it read again? Yeah, just a minute. Yeah, yeah. My guilt hangs heavy on my mind. I can no longer face my friends. Some years ago, I sent an innocent man to prison. Wait a second. Give me that line again, Inspector. Uh, uh, some years ago, I sent an innocent man okay, to prison. Okay, that's enough, that's enough. Handwriting been identified? Yeah. My heart, Napoleon Redfern. You know, for a fellow of the judge's caliber, it's pretty dramatic stuff. Well, people hopped up to suicide are psychodramatic. What's that about putting the neurosis on paper? It makes bad reading, that's all. Oh, Inspector. Oh, come in, gentlemen. Thank you. Glad to find you still here. We've agreed this terrible thing must be kept quiet as long as possible. Gentlemen, this is Michael Shane and Miss Knight. Hart, Stapley, Redford. How do you do? How do you do? Uh, about keeping this affair quiet, Inspector. Well, perhaps for a day or two. We haven't much chance to keep the facts covered up. Gentlemen, please, may I ask... Uh, did any of you know about the judge's suicide desire? He'd never discuss such a thing with any of us. But all the evidence points to suicide, Mr. Shane. Yes, if we can believe that note, but I'm not so sure. Then you're thinking it might have been murder? That's what we're going to find out. In the meantime, Inspector, I want to run out and have a little talk with Joey Peller. Yeah, good idea. Peller? Peller, isn't he the man with a remarkable memory? Yes, Mr. Redfern. And I want him to jog my memory. <laughs> Yes, yes, what do you want? Mr. Feller? Yes, who are you? A friend of Michael Shane. Michael Sh- oh, 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 come in. Uh, take a chair. Sit down. Don't mind if I squat here, Miss Parker. Easy on my back. Not at all. I'll stand because I can only stay a moment. Uh, Mr. Shane suggested I see you. I want some information. Yeah, what do you want to know? Mr. Feller, do you recall a rather sensational case about 16 years ago? When Judge Thorman sentenced a forger, uh, a Carlton Winters. Winters, let me see. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Quiet enough, Lord. Think I recollect that Winters, second Judge Thorman, life. Yes, and Redford, too. He was a prosecutor. Very good. Anything else, Mr. Peller? Uh, huh? Yes, I do. Never heard anything more about Winters, but think he was killed or. Uh, Died in an accident in Chicago. Hang on, think you. Yep. Mm-hmm. What, Mr. Feller? About three years after Winters was sent up, his wife, Estelle was her name, I, I think, well, she divorced him, and believe it or not, she married Paul Redfern. Yep. And 
Gregson, retired from public office. Right after that. You've been a big help, Mr. Feller. Well, I'll be glad to help Shane's friend. Anything else, Mr. Uh, name? You won't need it, Feller. <laughs> what you doing with that knife? You know too much, Mr. Feller. <laughs> If you are like most car owners these days, you're looking forward to the day when you can get a new car, and the chances are that day is still quite a long way off. Meanwhile, it is false economy for you to cheat yourself out of good car performance and to take chances on a serious breakdown. Just drive your car into a good repair shop and get a professional checkup. Your serviceman may find, for example, that your piston rings are worn out, that worn-out rings alone are causing oil waste and the loss of pep and power. In this case, what you need is to replace your piston rings with Hastings piston rings. They stop oil pumping, check cylinder wear, restore engine performance. So whenever you need new rings, it will pay you to get Hastings piston rings. They're tough, but oh so gentle. Tough on oil pumping, gentle on cylinder walls. Now remember that name, Hastings piston rings. The best money you can spend on your car. Now back to Michael Shane, private detective. It seems that Shane had decided on a step in the right direction when he decided to have Joey Peller jog his memory. But it also seems somebody is just one step ahead of Shane. Shane and Phyllis Knight arrived at Peller's home only to find the man with the remarkable memory stretched out on the floor with very little of either life or memory left. Now at police hospital, a tense group waits at Joey Peller's bedside. How is he, Doctor? Well, here's a chance, but it's slim. He's coming out of it again. Keeps going in and out of a coma. Joey. Joey Pella. Joey, this is Mike Shane. Shane? Nice friends you got. What? Nice friends? Michael. Whoever tried to kill him must have used your name. Is that what happened, Joey? Didn't know him, though. Joey, take it easy. Listen. Do you remember anything about a Judge Thorman case? Yeah. That's what the guy wanted to know. Joey, right from the prosecutor's hand, forger, called him the judge. When he died, he called him. Check it out. Thorman. Joey. Joey. Sorry, Inspector. He's gone out again. Oh, poor little guy. Stay with him, Johnson. Catch anything he mumbles, call me on it right away. Let the newspaper say Peller's dead. That'll protect him. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. It's a great night. A little over three hours, one dead, one well on the way. Look, Inspector, Mr. Hart, Eppley, and Redfern knew I was on my way to talk to Peller. They've got a few questions to answer. I know what you mean, Shane, but they're big men, and we've got to be right. Yes, but... Well, now, look. We've got to get every police record on this Carlton Winters. Samples of his handwriting, his fingerprint record. According to Peller, the guy's dead. Well, let's check Chicago and make sure he's dead. Well, let's get on it right away. Well, you take that end of it, Inspector. I want to talk to Paul Redfern. I'll be at his home. What's the time? 
Uh, about 10, Paul. Gives us time to check up on our theory of Teller's place. Then get back to your home by 11 to meet the others. Well, just what is this theory you've got on Teller's death? I'm positive someone was interested in silencing Peller before the Shane fellow could get to him. Yes, but what do you expect to learn at Peller's place? Hey, wait a minute. What? How'd you find out Peller was killed? Uh, Shane got in touch with me. Oh. Well, who does he think is guilty? He thinks it's one of us. Us? Are you serious, Hart? Yes, Redford. And I'm also Carlton Winters. You? What did you say? I said I'm Carlton Winters. And I'm going to kill you. Kill me? Just keeping a promise I made you long ago in court. But Winters died in Chicago. No, he didn't. Steady on the wheel. Don't take your eyes off the road. Then you killed Jeff? Yes, I killed him. Now it's your turn to be a suicide. Then can you guess who follows you? You mean my wife? Yes, Redburn, Estelle. They'll get you. If they do, it'll be too late. How am I to die? Well, it's rather simple. The hairpin turn is up ahead. We'll soon be on it. You're going to drive straight through the guardrail and down into the canyon. You can't force me to do that. You'll have nothing to say about it, Redfern. You'll be dead before you take the plunge. I'll crash the car first. You thought of that too late. I'm ready now. I hit you. Now, hold the wheel steady. Steady. Get the door open. Now. hundred feet down. In flames. A fitting tribute to you, Mr. Redburn. I'm terribly worried, Mr. Shane. Now, I wouldn't let it get you down, Mrs. Redburn. But, but he's always so punctual, so thoughtful. Naturally, he was quite upset when he came home with, with the terrible news of Judge Thorman's suicide. He left again, but he promised he'd be home no later than ten. 10.45 now, and he hasn't even called. But don't worry, Mrs. Redfern. I'm, I'm sure he'll be coming home any minute now. So I, I hope so. Somehow I'm terribly nervous. Uh, Mrs. Redfern, I'd like to ask you several questions. Yes? Well, first, have you ever heard your husband speak of a man named Carlton Winters? Uh, Carlton Winters? Yes, Mrs. Redfern. name seems to surprise you. Well, I'm not sure why, but it did surprise me. Winters was uh, prosecuted by your husband and sentenced by Judge Thorman about 16 years ago. Yes? Well, Winters was supposed to have died in Chicago. An accidental fire in a doctor's office. Yes, that's why I... I showed some surprise, I'm sure. I remember Paul telling me Winters had died in Chicago. Must have been rather important, Winters' death, I mean, for you to have remembered, Mrs. Redfern. It was important this night. You see, Carlton Winters had threatened the lives of Judge Thorman and my husband. I was glad to know the man was dead. And that's all you can tell us, Mrs. Redmond? That... That's all, Mr. Shane. May I ask if your questions concern only Judge Thorman's death? Well, <laughs> yes, they do. But Paul said the judge had committed suicide. The pattern has changed. We're not convinced of that now, and we need all the information we can get. So if you know something you feel Mr. Shane should know, please tell him, Mrs. Redfern. I, uh... No. No, there's nothing more I could tell. I'm going to be brutally frank, Mrs. Redfern. You're withholding something. Mr. Shane, I... Oh, that's my door. Would you excuse me, please? Michael, 
Do you really think she's holding back something? I'm positive she is, honey. Do you really think it's one of the three men? Well, I'd be a lot sure if I knew what the inspector found out about their alibis, about the handwriting. Any one of them could be our men. Which one? Mm, take your pick, sugar. I'll take you. And what would you do if I... Oh, Mrs. Redfern. Mr. Shea, Miss Lloyd. This is Mr. Hart, Mr. Evans. Yes, we met earlier this evening. They've come here to meet Paul. They would have a meeting here at 11 o'clock. Oh, why a meeting? Well, to discuss what should be done about the party policy now that Judge Foreman is dead. There's quite a bit to be settled. Mm-hmm. Have uh, either of you gentlemen had a talk with Inspector Coyle since 10 o'clock tonight? No, why, Shane? Well, he wants to see you, both of you. There are new developments in the case. What developments? Well, you recall that I mentioned at Thorman's home. I uh, I was going to have my memory jogged by Joey Teller. To... Oh, yes, yes. What about it? Well, you, Mr. Hart, and Mr. Epperly, plus Redfern, who isn't present at the moment, overheard my statement. Well, get to the point, Shane. What are you driving at? Murder, Mr. Hart. Joey Teller had his wonderful memory removed by a killer's surgery tonight. Are you insinuating that any one of us... I anything... keep your shirt on, Mr. Epperly. I insinuate nothing. I'm merely explaining why the inspector wants to talk with all of you and find out where you've all been hiding out this evening. Hiding out? I'm not hiding out. I'll go where I please, when I please. Uh, could I fix you some coffee? It'll give me something to do. And, and perhaps by then Paul will be home. Yes, that's a splendid idea, and I'll help if I may. Well, please do. Come along. Oh. Now, look, gentlemen. Let's check these facts quickly while the ladies are fixing the coffee. Thorman is a suicide, which I still don't believe. Joey Peller is stabbed. Now, we have information that Carlton Winters might be our man if he hadn't died in Chicago some years ago. But we're getting samples of his handwriting and police record. Perhaps it may count up to something. But what good would anything be if Winters is dead? No good at all if he's dead. And I'm not convinced of that. Oh, no! Michael. Yes? Please, come quickly. What's wrong, Phil? Just come along, please, and alone. Right. Wait here, gentlemen, please. Michael, we... We started out through the hall to the kitchen, and here, right here on this hall table, was a note. Here's the note. Mrs. Redfern read it, and what well, you heard her reaction. Where's she now? She's sitting in the kitchen, just staring. Read the note, Michael. You'll understand. Estelle, darling, by the time you find this note, it will be too late to stop me. I've tried to fight. Oh, no. Michael, this is terrible. She nodded yes when I asked her if this was her husband's handwriting. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, I'll take that on this hall extension. Now, look, honey, go back to Mrs. Redfern and don't let anybody even try to talk to Hurry her. Hurry up, Mike. Okay. Hello? Oh, that's you, Shane? Oh, oh, yes, Inspector. Still want to talk to Paul Redfern? And how I do? Better forget it. His car went over Cliff Road into the canyon in flames. What? He's on a slab in the mall. Oh, this is a fine mess now. His wife's hysterical. She just read his suicide note. Not another one. Yes, yes, and just as phony as the judges. Look, Inspector, look. Tell the coroner to go over the body very carefully. I'll be right there. Right. Hurry it up. Phil. Phil, can I see you a minute? Yes. Yes, I'll be right back, Mr. Now listen. And listen fast, honey, and make it stick. Redfin's dead. Oh. Oh, dear. Oh, Mike. Th he meant that note. I don't know. I only know he's dead. He crashed his car. Now, I'm taking this note and sticking it at headquarters until we know as much as possible. Well, what about her? Honey, I want you to stay with her. Don't leave her for a minute, and don't tell her he's dead. I'll call you later or I'll pick you up. All right. But I think you should know this, Michael. What? I'm positive that note wasn't on the hall table when we came in. Good work, honey. Good work. Our pigeon is in there in the drawing room. How, are they staying here? Oh, no, no, sweetheart. No, I'm going to convince them to visit headquarters. <laughs> Oh. <laughs>
Well, how did our guests take the stay here, Inspector? Unhappily. But they were jittery enough to be gentlemen about it, especially since they found out Redfern is dead. They left about five minutes ago. Oh. How about Winter's old samples of handwriting? Check with uh, any of the ones on the signatures on my note? Yeah, I just got the dope on that. The man says there's no question about it. We need more, though, Michael. Yeah? Well, I think we can get it now. Oh, hello, Doc. Hi. Well, what's the verdict? Well, I almost missed it. Something very thin punctured Redfern's eardrum. Went right into the brain, like a long steel sliver. But, Doc, if it was a steel sliver, who got rid of it? You? No. I couldn't find the sliver, so I decided it was maybe like a hat pin. Yeah, he was killed, all right. He was plenty burned and cracked up. So would you be if you fell 200 feet in a flaming car, but he was very dead before he hit. No evidence of fire in the lungs, huh? Not a scorch. He wasn't beating the breathing when he cracked. Then it's murder. You've got your verdict, Inspector. Autopsy. Uh, hello. Yeah, just a minute. you, Inspector. Mm-hmm. Morning, sir. Inspector Coyle speaking. Yeah, Johnson? What did he say? That's really something. Good work. Stay with him. So long. More from Pella? Plenty. A bombshell. Estelle Redfern divorced Carlton Winters after he went to the pen and married Paul Redfern. Uh-oh. Oh, that's bad. Epperly and Hart have just been released, haven't they? Well, we couldn't hold them. Oh, that crazy woman withholding information. Inspector, she's in danger. At 2.30 in the morning? Look, if my guess is right, our man is on a killing spree. His schedule calls for crowding it all into one night. Yeah, could be. Norman, Pella, Redfern. And next, and logically, the woman who divorced him and married the man that prosecuted him. Look, let me get going ahead of you and your men. Call Phil and have her set it up like this. We'll we'll say the same thing. You can't always predict the outcome of a mystery story, but here's something you can predict with absolute certainty. You can predict that your car will start quickly no matter how cold the weather if it has caseite in the motor oil. It's a fact, folks. Caseite guarantees quick starting in winter weather or double your money back. And only a product that really gives satisfaction can afford to make that kind of an offer. Now, just think. No more sitting out in the cold, struggling with a motor that refuses to go. Caseite retards congealing of oil, lets your motor spin over rapidly and start. And it reduces startup wear on your engine. And it saves your battery. Garages, service stations, and car dealers everywhere sell Caseite. Only 65 cents a pint. Remember, Caseite guarantees quick starting in winter weather or double your money back. You can't lose. Get Caseite today and start every day. Now back to Michael Shane and the trap set for a revenge-crazy killer. It's about 3.15 a.m. The huge Redfern mansion is wrapped in the eerie glow from a thin sliver of moon. In the shadows of the porch, two men move softly, furtively. Wait. I think it's right for us to snoop around Redfern's house like this, especially with Estelle so upset. Oh, relax, Evelyn. It's only decent to see that she's all right. After all, you yourself were worried about her while we were held at headquarters. Well, let's get it over and get out of here. Yeah, come on.
try these French windows. I still don't think this is a good idea. If we make a noise and waken her still, she'll be scared out of her wits. If we find she's all right, we'll go out as quietly as we can. No, come on. This window's unlocked. That's not so good. Oh. I'm beginning to believe that Shane fellow now. There's a killer loose, I believe. Shall I turn on this light? No lights. Keep it dark. Now that we're in, what do we do? First, uh, go through the entire downstairs. You take the east wing, I'll take this west side. Well, what are we looking for? We're making sure everything's all right. Check every door and window. See that they're locked. Go right through and I'll meet you in the back hall. Hmm. Yeah, simple enough. If everything's all right downstairs, we'll check the upstairs. Then leave. Oh, I... but I still don't like the idea. Take it easy. Don't fall over the furniture. I won't guarantee you. <laughs> Now, to get upstairs quickly and arrange for Estelle's suicide while my perfect alibi searches downstairs. Estelle, we settle accounts. And again. And so ends this night. Who turned on those lights? Sorry, chum, the night has ended, and so are you. Shane! Yeah. We didn't find out until after you left police headquarters tonight that Estelle was once the wife of Carlton Winters. So we figured Estelle was next on the list. Oh, so you got it all figured out. You think we intended to let you get Estelle? Oh, no, no, no. We preferred to have you kill off that dressmaker's mannequin under the bed covers. Dressmaker's mannequin? Drop Shane, that I... knife. Drop that knife, I said. I'll kill you. I'll kill Drop you. Drop it. I... Easy, you crazy idiot. I don't want to shoot you. Stop it, Hart. I'll shoot you. Not until I... Oh, thanks, Inspector. Michael? Thanks. Michael. Oh. Michael, what's wrong? Not a thing, honey. Not a thing. Michael! Oh. He's hurt, Inspector. Easy, Phil. Easy now. We'll take care of him. Well, the invalid is back. Welcome home, darling. Uh, thanks. I never liked this office, but it sure looks awfully good now. I'll bet. The inspector left this report for you. Copy. Hmm? Well, Hart's deathbed confession, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all here. You know, we could have stopped Redfern's killing if we had all samples of Winter's uh, handwriting to match his signature on the note the committee sent to me. Oh, you couldn't do any more, Michael. Yeah, it only proves what I contend, darling. There's a flaw in every human being. <laughs> I'd say Winter's or Hart was insanely perfect. <laughs> Almost, but not quite. You see, honey... When a man decides to change his identity, he must change everything, even his own handwriting. Well, now that you think the office looks good, you might say, um, precious, you look good. Oh, well, precious, you, you do look good. Very good. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome, darling. You know, Michael, you ought to get stabbed more often. <laughs>
Michael Shane, Private Detective, stars Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis, with Bill Johnstone as the inspector. Tonight's story was directed by Michael Raffetto, written by Alan Cameron, and based on the character created by Brett Halliday. The music was composed and played by Len Salvo. This is Charles Arlington speaking. Wilson speaking. Wonderful. Oh, fine. I'll pick her up this evening. Yippee! My new car just came in at the dealers. You got any suggestions on breaking her in, Bill? Only what a top-notch mechanic told me. What's that? Add caseite to the motor oil. That's sound advice for any new car owner, friends. Caseite carries oil to the tight spots and assures a smoother break-in. Remember this. No matter what kind of motor oil you're using, you will get better and smoother motor performance when you add caseite. This program came to you from Hollywood. Stay tuned to this station for the adventures of the Falcon. It immediately follows station identification. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.